This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we're going to be tackling the topic of when parents only do stuff that they hate doing with their kids, and then, by the law of syllogism, they end up hating their life, because when you do things that you hate, you end up hating your life globally, and nobody wants hanging out with your kids to make you feel like jumping out a window. So, uh, before we get to that, please do subscribe. My most recent subscriber episode is on When Child-Centered Marriages actually work um, and you'll be interested on uh, to hear my thoughts on that because I am usually very against the child-centered marriage. All right, so what do I mean by doing stuff you hate? So let me tell you what a lot of my clients' lives look like. They go to the kids' sports, then they go to their kids' extracurriculars of some other sort, you know, a random thing, uh, drop them off at a different sort of class or a different sort of um, enrichment activity. Then they drive the child to hang out with the child's friends. And if the child is young enough, you also have to stay there too. But you don't necessarily like those people. Those are just your kids' friends' parents. But you have to stay there. Sometimes you get to drop them off. And then if you're lucky, you get to like really like play the Tetris of your schedule really excellently and you can like slot in some other errand while your kid is doing some other thing. This just sounds like trash, right? But yet it is what so many people's lives are like because the entire weekend and every evening pretty much is about what the kids want to do. Now, if you are only always shepherding your kids to do shit that you hate doing, then you are necessarily not going to come off as a very happy adult, which reflects, uh, you know, which I talked about in one of my other podcasts about show your kids what a happy adult looks like, which many people don't know how to do, sadly, because they never saw any happy adults in their family of origin. So what could you do instead of doing only things that you hate with your kids? Maybe you could do some things you like to do with your kids. So here's some examples. Some people can work out with their kids. Some people can go, if they like to play certain games, they can play those games with their kids, whether those are things like bowling or tennis or whether that's like Monopoly. Sometimes people like to read books to their kids, but they hate the books that the kid picks. So then they end up hating reading, which is stupid because you're doing the damn reading. You could pick anything that you want. You could pick sci-fi that you like. You could pick like a, a fiction book that you like. I've read so many books to my kids that I've liked throughout my life and we read those together, you know, and they could be a little bit higher level than like your kids are. I read my kids like the Hunger Games like three years ago or something. And my son was like six three years ago. But he liked to listen to it. You know, why not? So, um, and that was one of my more child-friendly ones. I, I'm trying to remember right now. Other, thing, let me think. Oh, I know, Room. I read Room with my daughter and she loved Room and Room is like totally a book for adults about like the kid in the room, you know, they made a movie out of it. Super good book and it was like really interesting. But yeah, so I definitely liked reading Room and then that became like one of her favorite books. And then we watched the movie. But so if you're gonna do stuff with your kid, then do stuff that you like to do. 
guys are better at this than women, you know, because guys like sports a lot of the time. And I'm sure this is, you know, terribly on PC. I don't give a shit because I'm a woman and I know a lot of women who really don't like doing sports with the kids as much as the guys do. So I assume that that is not unique to me. So if your husband likes to, you know, take the kid out and play catch, great, but you don't really like to play catch. So then you don't end up doing anything that you like to do. Then you're just like shepherding the kid around. And then you're saying, oh, I really like to watch them play sports. Okay, I have, you know, kids who do things and you like to watch them do things. But after some years, you know, that can get a little bit old because all you're actually doing is sitting there and watching. And it's nice to sit and watch and it's supportive. But if you never do anything that you particularly like to do, then you yourself are never, you're never showing your kid what it looks like for an adult to enjoy doing something. You know, whereas if you were actually doing things that you liked, whether that's a crafting thing or you were cooking or you were baking or you were even just taking a walk or anything that you like to do, then they get to see a happy adult. And a lot of people say things, well, I want to take a walk with my kids, but they won't go. They will go. If they don't have a screen, they will usually go. So you can always feel free to limit something you don't want your kid to do so they could do something that you do want them to do. Such as, well, you're not going to play Xbox now because I really want to take a walk and I want to share that with you so we're going to take a walk. I mean, beyond the scope of this specific episode of a podcast is the idea of, and I you know, reference this a lot and stop letting your tri- kids treat you like garbage, but the fact that you need to be kind of in control of what happens in your environment, meaning that you are somebody who can say, we are doing X and your kids will do X. So if that is a level at, at which you you are not operating, then I will tell you that therapy can be very useful about parenting issues like that. If you have a lot of trouble with setting a frame and setting rules, and you always have, and now it's the point where the inmates are running the asylum, then you need to kind of take it back a notch and think about why can I never get my kids to literally do anything? Sounds great for them to come play tennis with me, but they would never do that. And they're like, you know, eight or something, you know, like a a child, like they're not like, you know, 18. And they're like, no, thanks. I would rather go like smoke weed and have sex with my girlfriend, which is like totally understandable. But eight years old should do what you say, you know, and anything within that range should pretty much think that what you come up with as an idea is possibly fun, but irrespective of that, it is what they are doing. So, you know, there is that as well. And if there's as much interest in kind of how to set a frame with your kids that they listen to you from, you know, early childhood, then I can certainly talk more about that. Although my parenting podcasts are, they never get as many listens as the ones with sex in the title or even relationships in the title. But I do have a lot of that stuff on my uh, Dr. Psych Mom website because as I age and my children age, I kind of, uh, you know, I'm more interested in whatever I'm going through, which tends to be what people find me to talk about, you know, because people tend to want a therapist who's a peer in many ways. And so when I was younger and my kids were younger, I had more stuff about discipline and, and things like that. So that's all on Dr. Psych Mom, which I've been publishing since 2014. But 
Anyway, if you cannot find something that you think you would like to do with your kid because you don't like your kid, that's like a different problem. And that's like nothing to be ashamed about. What would be ashamed about is if you consistently said to your kid, I don't like you, man. No, you're not allowed to say that. You know, that's fucked up. But if you just don't like your kid, then that is like a taboo subject that a lot of people don't want to talk about. But it does not help anybody to have a taboo subject that they can't talk about. So more people than you know are in a situation where they just can't get along with their kid. And in that situation, they're like, I don't care what the hell activity we could be doing. My kid could find a way to ruin it. (laughs) And if you're in that kind of situation, then you got to start very small. So a tennis game is not what you're going to be doing. It's like five minutes of watching YouTube together. Can you find a YouTube video that you actually think is funny that you could show your kid? I bet you could. If we're going that granular and that low level and that's your sole task is to find five minutes of something you actually think is funny that your kid can think is funny too so that you're not fake laughing, then I bet you could do it. You know, and it's it's really like if you have to go to the level of TV, then go to TV. Watch something you like to watch with your kid. Because then it's like you're not sitting there like waiting to die, you know, which is not a good look and does not make you an active and engaged and happy parent. It makes you feel like parenting is a slog and it makes you count down the minutes until it's bedtime. And that is not the way that you want your child to remember their childhood. So let's even just start with the screen time stuff. Find something that you like to do with your kid that involves devices. Play chess with your kid. Play a video game if your kid has video games. Watch something that you think is funny. Watch something that you used to think was funny when you were a kid. Watch a movie that you used to like when you were your kid's age. And use what uh, somebody that isn't me, I think Janet Lansbury, calls confident momentum, which is kind of the attitude that teachers have, which makes kids listen to them. And I talk about how you could use this in relationships. I have a a pod uh, post, I think, about it on Dr. Psych Mom. Um, It was like uh, confident momentum plus knowing your partner's love language can, you know, make everything better or whatever. And so confident momentum is when you kind of sweep in and you, um, you basically act happy and excited. And then basically your kid just takes that mood and runs with it. And that's what preschool teachers do and hopefully teachers of older kids as well. We're like, hey, everybody, we're going to play a game. And then, of course, everybody's excited to play a game. Whereas if you come in and you're like, uh, there's this game, you're, you're, you're probably not going to like this, but, um, well, you know what, just, 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 you know, go back to the Xbox, I'll see you for dinner. You know, then, like, of course your kid isn't going to want to play with you because you're not confident. You don't have any sort of momentum behind you. The kid doesn't even think you want to do it. So then, yeah, you're just basically, like, waiting for them to reject you. And especially as kids get into adolescence, a lot of parents have this kind of self-effacing, self-deprecating dynamic, which um, they take to excess because self-deprecating humor is all well and good, haha. But, you know, they take it more like, you hate me and that is like a known condition and if you spend five minutes with me then that's a bonus but overall you hate me and that's like what the parent is projecting to the child and that usually comes from the parent's own low self-esteem and the parent's rejection sensitivity so then they're putting out this they're basically rejecting the idea that the child could want to spend time with them before the child can actually do it and so people do that with younger kids too so if you notice that and if that resonates with you as a dynamic that you do, then you should probably really work on it. 
because all you're doing is teaching your kid to be a rejecting asshole. You know, instead, if you put yourself out there in like a happy, kind of vulnerable way, like, hey, you know, I was thinking I really want you to watch this movie and I really want you to give it, you know, at least a half an hour because it's not what you usually watch, but I loved it when I was your age. So that's what we're going to do right now. Here's popcorn. We're going to watch this movie that mommy liked or whatever, you know. So then you're coming in, you're kind of assuming that they're going to like it, kind of at least, that they're going to give it a chance. And and the people here that are listening that have like really good back and forth relationships with their kids are like, who are these people who are scared of their kids? I will tell you, it's the rest of the people listening because so many people nowadays are just scared of their kids, it's like it, the pendulum overswung. Like, people used to be afraid of their parents. Well, that's no good. But what? it's not good to be scared of your kids either, right? I mean, that's even more bizarre in a way because the kids are not supposed to be in charge in any sense or setting any kind of rules. Yet, I work with so many people. And again, it's particularly people with low self-esteem who never wanted to be rigid, never wanted to be authoritarian. So then they swing over to permissive. And then the kid just kind of treats them like shit. And again, I really tell you, you should be listening to my podcast on not letting your kids treat you like garbage if any of this resonates with you. So what are our takeaways from this globally? Uh, Do things with your kids that you like doing, things that you would do even if they weren't there. Come into those things with like a full heart and confident momentum and sweep in and basically you know, act like it's going to work, act like they are going to enjoy it and or that you will definitely enjoy doing it with them. And like, don't take any shit. So like, don't let the kid shit all over your movie or your book or whatever. Say, you know, that's not nice. I'm really trying to share this with you. It's important to me. You know, I've realized that we only watch the stuff that you want to watch. And then I don't ever get to tell you about the stuff that I like. And so this is what we're doing. Like really kind of narrate your internal experience to your kids because you are who they learn from. They don't know what you think they know. Many times people think that a teenager or a tween is trying to be disrespectful when they're just in a stage that is actually called healthy adolescent narcissism. They're so solipsistic at that age that they cannot even imagine what you're thinking. So you're getting your feelings hurt and all they think they did was very obviously tell you they didn't want to watch what you both probably realized was a stupid movie that they didn't want to watch. But in reality, you know, you really wanted to show them, you know, like whatever the hell you know the movie that you liked as a kid my girl or whatever you know like I'm trying to think of movies back from when we were kids and um you know then you get really hurt and you think it's so obvious that they know that they hurt your feelings but they're not even used to thinking of you as a person with feelings because you don't come out and say oh it's me I have feelings I'm a person instead you're like oh where am I driving you today sir and then of course they don't think of you as a real person So, you know, it takes two to raise an asshole, you know? It's like, well, it really takes two, the mom and the dad. But but at least in this situation, we're thinking maybe some kids are more rude and selfish than others. Cool. You know, but who makes them like that? Who enables it? The parent that is self-effacing to the point of self-erasure. And that does not help any child to have a parent's personality erased. People come into therapy and... A really big thing that adults yearn for and wish for is that they had understood their parents better. For real. So talk to your kids. I have a post called Tell Your Kids About Your Work, another area where parents are completely remiss. 
there are like kids that are being sent to like fucking gifted programs that have like IQs that are like close to, you know, like, like a hundred and whatever. It doesn't matter. And, <laughs> and they don't know what their parent does for work. Their parent is like a lawyer. The parent could explain their job in like two sentences, but they've never thought that they were important enough for the kid to know what corporate law is and be able to repeat it back in two sentences. That's astonishing and bad. That child deserves to know and respect and look up to their parent. But if the parent is not comfortable being respected or looked up to because of their own unresolved family of origin issues, most often with a self-centered parent at the core, then they're not going to put themselves forth as a role model to emulate, nor will they be able to, at first, do this confident momentum thing. Although you can certainly get used to it with practice and you should. All right, well, hopefully that was a good pep talk for you to get off your ass and go introduce your kid to something that you actually like doing so that you do not have to feign enjoyment or interest in in Minecraft or whatever the hell you hate. And instead, you can actually share something with your kid that you love, thus having a bonding, genuine, and authentic experience that hopefully also pushes your child out of their comfort zone, which is a really big thing and a really big deal and makes you a good parent in and of itself. All right, I will talk to all you soon. Hopefully this was useful. And uh, please do subscribe and join my Facebook group if you like talking. I do interact a hell of a lot more in there than anywhere else. All right, bye-bye.